Hello, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner, host of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Thanks for listening to these podcasts. This week's episode will begin in just a moment. I just want to let you know that due to a technical problem, we have to go to a backup recording for the last 60 seconds of this podcast, 55 seconds actually. You'll hear some pretty degraded audio quality, and I just want you to know that's us, not your player, and uh, we've remedied the problem. It won't happen again, and enjoy the class. Here you go. Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School for today. It's Sunday, May 13th of 2012, and uh, yeah, that's right, double-checking. Sunday the 13th of May. Good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Our topic today is money as energy, spiritual finances, and this, of course, is a very different concept than money as stuff, money as a thing. Sometimes uh, presentations along these lines are described as prosperity consciousness. And there are some important books that have described in the past the relationship between your level of awareness, your consciousness, or a word I like to use as a synonym for both awareness and consciousness is simply understanding. So your understanding of money is going to affect the role that it plays in your life. Ultimately, everything is a matter of perception. So how do you perceive money? And what is the relationship of money to stuff and energy, to matter, mass, and energy or spirit? So We're going to talk about money both as material stuff and as energy or spirit today to see if we can lift your awareness or improve your consciousness or your understanding of the role that money plays in your life and stuff too for for that matter. I think a good place for us to begin here in the free forum is uh, the same concepts that I began with in the newsletter this week. And that's that we are material beings living in a material world. And yet, people who listen to this mystery school, whether you're here live or by replay, uh, see life generally as more than one of living in a material world with a physical body and a physical lifetime. We think of ourselves as imbued with spirit or energy. And so, to say that we are Material beings with a spirit would be one way of looking at things. But you could also consider reversing the emphasis that rather than being a material being with a spirit or a soul or an energy aspect, that we are actually spiritual beings living in material bodies in a material world. That before we're incarnated into physical bodies as uh, little babies— or fetuses, or zygotes, or whenever it is that we come in uh, to physical form, that before that point we exist as spirit. Now, the pre-existence of the soul or the spirit, of course, has been declared heresy 
by the Catholic and also by the Protestant churches many, many years ago, about 5th century A.D., the preexistence of the soul was dropped uh, by the official Catholic Church, and Protestants never went back and picked it up. They stayed with the basic belief system that says the soul is conceived with the physical body, that God makes a new soul upon conception. But as we've talked about in past programs, pre-existence of the soul, though it accounts for a whole lot, <laughs> a whole lot of persecution over the years, a lot of waterboarding and witch burning and uh, torture by the inquisitors and the crusaders, even early church fathers like Origen were found guilty of heresy many decades after their natural death for their belief in the preexistence of the soul, even though there were, you know, church fathers, founders of the Catholic Church and about as hardcore Christian as you can get. But for hundreds of years, that's what Christians believed, an idea that today is described as pantheistic, that equates God to nature and says there's no difference. And, of course, uh, we've talked about pantheism in the past, and you could think of God equaling nature as something that brings God down to the level of the snake and the snail and the slug, or you could consider, as pantheists tend to do, and particularly panentheism, which is a variation on the word, this is not only is the one God in everything, but everything is in the one. So pantheism in both directions is panentheism, P-A-N-E-N, theism. Panentheism is pantheism plus the reverse, <laughs> God in everything and everything in the one God. Well, so instead of thinking as the church portrays the pantheist as God equaling nature or God being the same spirit equaling the material world, its money and its stuff, which is somewhat demeaning, it brings, as I say, God down to the level of God is the snake and the snail and the slug. You could consider, however, as the pantheists and panentheists both actually do, that everything is sacred. Now, that's a very different idea. Instead of panentheism, God in all things, being demeaning or degrading to the nature of divinity, you could think that it's uplifting to the nature of matter. And uh, I guess the important thing to understand in any discussion about spirit and matter is that spirit or energy is real and primary. Matter is an illusion, it's a reflection, and it's an effect. How do we know that matter is an effect and spirit is cause? And I'm going to talk about Einstein and E equals mc squared in a minute, um, because Einstein has proven, in quotes for now, that energy and mass, or spirit and matter, are really two forms of the same thing. But 
they're not equal in one very important way, and that's that spirit or energy is primary, is a cause, whereas matter, and our topic today, money, is an effect. And yeah, they're two forms of the same thing, but here's the rub. The reason we call material or matter or stuff a reflection of spirit and more an effect that spirit causes matter, but matter doesn't really cause spirit, it's an effect, is that one is eternal and one is temporal. That there are, in physics, laws of conservation of mass and energy that says you can create and destroy material things, but the energy that's in them is eternal. So spirit is eternal. Energy is eternal. You can't use it up. But material stuff is temporal. It is impermanent. It never lasts. There's nothing material that lasts forever. It's all in decay. Well, if something doesn't last, how real can it be? How much truth is there in something that only exists for a period of time and then changes form, ceases to exist? And all material ceases to exist. At some point, it changes its form. It goes back to energy. A good example, I think, of the conservation of mass and energy is to think of using the fire, flame, to burn a combustible like a tree, a log, a bunch of sticks. This tree grew as a result of photosynthesis. The energy potential in the tree branch, the log, or the tree trunk, whatever, that you're going to burn in the fireplace, comes from the sun. The material thing is almost like a battery in that it stores this energy, this spirit, if you will, until such time that it reaches a, 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 you know, a level of heat where it combusts, where it begins to oxidize very fast. That's what a fire is. It's like accelerated rust, <laughs> sped up corrosion, and it bursts into open flame and radiates in energy both as light and certainly as heat. In fact, I'm going to use the allegory of energy as money being very much like heat. Heat is a good example of energy, especially when we talk about how much is enough and whether more of a good thing is always a good thing. So what are you releasing when you burn the log? You're releasing the energy the heat and light from the sun that grew the tree in the first place. So it was stored like a battery in the tree, in the log, in the sticks, the branches, whatever. And then when they burn, it's released. It radiates out into the room. It lights things up. There's an energy on a certain frequency, and it radiates also as an energy we call heat and warmth. And, oh, doesn't that feel good? Stand close to the fire and warm yourself. Careful, don't, don't, don't get too close, right? So 
here, fire is a good example of matter being converted back into energy, and nothing is lost. This is the conservation of mass and energy. The amount of energy from the sun that it took to grow this particular stick or log or, or, or branch of a tree is exactly equal to the amount of energy that's released when it burns. It just changed form for a while, sort of like a battery. Again, it stored that energy, and then it was released later. Coal does the same thing. We think of coal as a mineral, but it's really organic. We think of it uh, like the old Sinclair gasoline sign, the Brontosaurus. We think of oil and gasoline as being uh, the the detrius of dead dinosaurs. It's actually less likely to be made up of dinosaurs and leaves and trees and such than algae. It's almost all very, very low on the scale of life. It's very primitive life form. It's, it's billions and billions unconceivable amounts of algae that ends up being compressed as sediment and turns into coal. And, of course, there's methane and other natural gases. And uh, even diamonds, of course, are examples and other stones of minerals formerly organic life that uh, died and decayed and under pressure changed its form. I came across and uh, and mentioned in the newsletter this week research by the Carnegie Institution that has found over 4,000 different minerals that are related. These are, you know, we think of these as... Uh, inorganic materials, but over 4,000 minerals in the earth that are organic in nature and that basically have evolved. You don't think of the earth evolving. You think of life forms evolving. But not only does the human kingdom, the animal kingdom, and the plant kingdom evolve, the mineral kingdom evolves as well, and it cannot be separated from the organic kingdom. So matter at all levels is imbued with energy. Do you get that? Matter is spirit. There is spirit or energy in material things. And the point of the class here today, and I'm going to go into this in depth, of course, in the premium training that follows in a few minutes here at 1.30 Pacific time, 4.30 in the east, just uh, about 15 minutes from right now, we'll begin on another website. I'll tell you how to enroll if you haven't enrolled. But this is the idea I want you to get, even if you're listening to this, whether live or streaming or as a podcast, the relationship of spirit to matter. If you're going to understand money, and what we're calling today spiritual finance. If you're going to use money most effectively in your life and have the proper relationship, what do I mean by that? The, the, the relationship that is most in your interest, that makes you happiest and most fulfilled, 
you really have to understand what money is, what it represents, and the nature of money not so much as a thing like this paper or these coins and not so much as the material you exchange it for, the stuff. We need to start thinking of money as spirit, money as energy and the way it flows, not the way it sits there piled up, you know. I think of that cartoon character that Disney sort of borrowed from Dickens, Scrooge McDuck. And, uh, you know, there was Scrooge in the counting house in the, in Dickens' story of the, of, of the Christmas tale and Tiny Tim and all of that. And he was such a, you know, evil, materialistic and mean old guy you know, proving that the love of money is the root of all evil. Where does that come from? What does that mean? And notice, the saying is not money is the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Instead of loving money, I'm going to sort of cut to the chase here. Instead of thinking of, oh, I love money and I love stuff, consider that that's all an illusion. And if money is love and can be exchanged in a loving way, in a giving kind way, if we can keep it moving and think of money as an energy that has to flow or it doesn't really exist, energy has to move. It has to flow. It has to radiate. Energy can't just sit there unless it's like in a battery of some sort. And again, a log that's just sitting there and not burning is not going to keep anybody warm. So there's times, I suppose, to argue for stockpiling money, but a big pile of money isn't going to do you any good. And again, it decays. It doesn't last. Nor uh, do the things that it buys, the material things that it buys, last. So... This is what we're going to talk about in depth uh, today, a little bit more here in, in the free forum, but in particular in the premium training. We're going to take a good hard look at money as an energy rather than as a material thing or the material stuff that it buys. And you really need to understand Einstein. You really got to get a little understanding anyway of what this equation is, E equals mc squared. Now, c squared is the speed of light, or c is the speed of light in the formula. c squared is part of its relationship to energy and mass that is a bit difficult to explain. I don't pretend to understand energy and mass in its relationship to the speed of light. You could argue that it has to do with accelerating mass to a certain point, but even time and space are affected by Einstein's theories of relativity, and very quickly we would get totally outside, not only of of my knowledge, understanding, and expertise, but the point. What we want to look at in the equation E equals mc squared is the E and the m. 
the energy and the mass, right? And there's an equal sign between the two, that at the speed of light squared, mass equals energy. They're the same thing, okay? Well, if energy and mass, and how does this translate? Einstein said, well, energy and material things are actually convertible. They're two forms of the same thing. In other words, this led to the creation of nuclear fusion and the so-called atomic or hydrogen bomb, the nuclear weapon. Did I say that right? Not nuclear, nuclear. The nuclear, (laughs) politicians always say nuclear. Not always, but often. Nuclear weapon which is when you take an unstable heavy element with a lot of electrons in it, like plutonium or uranium-238, it's so heavy, it's got so many elements, so many electrons, that it's unstable. It decays. It throws these electrons, these charged particles off. And there's something called half-life, the amount of time it takes these... uh, Uh, minerals, these molecules to decay, but they also can be split more easily than a simple atom. And so if we could accelerate, if we could smash these together in such a way that we can rip the matter apart, we're going to release an enormous amount of energy. And if you have any idea what happened in Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, vaporizing hundreds of thousands of human beings, turned to ash and steam in an instant. This is the ultimate terrorism. We dropped bombs, not just regular explosive devices on people. That's usually saved for, you know, you usually drop bombs on military forces, but through history, People have dropped bombs. Hitler, in particular, dropped conventional explosives on citizens, on their churches, and on their office buildings, and on their apartments and such. That's terrorism. But a nuclear weapon, my God, we vapor. And you know what's interesting that most Americans don't know? There were on the order of 20 or 25,000 American citizens in Hiroshima and Nagasaki when we dropped those weapons. So mostly of Japanese descent, but they were American citizens and like everybody else, vaporized. It's just hard to believe. We don't talk about it. It's taboo to discuss in the United States. You're never allowed to talk about it. Uh, John Stewart, a few years ago on The Daily Show, made some remark about nuclear weapons in Japan and terrorism. And he had to apologize to keep his show. They they almost blew him off the air. He came back on the air the next day. This is one of the great taboos in our society. You're not allowed to talk about the destruction of a nuclear weapon and how, I mean, weapons of mass destruction, that's, that's what it is. But my only point in bringing it up is not political here, but to give you a sense 
of how primary and the enormous amounts of energy that are bound up in material things. And when ripped apart, as in a nuclear explosion, and that energy is released, the devastation that it can cause, the power that is released in radiation on any one of a number of levels. Yeah, there's there's the ionizing radiation that induces cancer and causes radiation burns and radiation sickness, even at great distances. And at closer in, just the incredible explosive force of a few pounds of uranium being ripped apart at this fundamental level and leveling cities, you know, for... Um, I want to say miles in all directions, but that would be a bit of an exaggeration. Several miles, square mile area, completely <laughs> obliterated, just absolutely devastated. So much energy is bound up in material things. So they're convertible. They're two forms of the same thing. And whether we talk about a nuclear weapon or even the burning of a log, as I did earlier in the uh, in the session here today, and releasing the energy from from the sun, you need to know that energy and mass, or spirit and matter, same thing. Spirit and matter, energy and mass are convertible, are two forms of the same thing. And what we're going to lay over the top of that, what I'm saying here, and we'll develop in the premium training, is one is primary, the other is secondary. One is cause, one is effect. Fundamentally, spirit is real. Energy, spirit, is causal, it's primary, it cannot be used up. This is the conservation of energy. It always exists. It'll change form. It'll degrade to heat, but just a little bit of science and you come to understand energy or spirit is eternal, but the material stuff is temporal. It's impermanent. It never lasts. It's always changing. All right? So if you want to just close your eyes for a moment and take a breath, contemplate upon this and get this clear in your mind. Relax. Breathe. See, E equals M, C squared, but we're looking mostly at the E and the M, energy equals mass. And think of that as the same as spirit and matter. Know that they're equal, two forms of the same thing, that they're convertible, that we can use up the mass, but we'll never use up the energy because the energy is eternal and infinite, but the material stuff is a reflection. It's an effect. It's the result. And it's not real. It's not true in philosopher's language because it doesn't last. So when you think about money, if you think about it as most people do, as stuff, it's not going to last. 
and to try to acquire it, accumulate it, or possess it, either the money or the stuff it buys, is going to be very futile, frustrating, and maddening in the long run. But when you think of it as energy or spirit and consider its flow, you can do magical things with spirit, with energy. Take a breath, open your eyes, tell yourself that'll be easy to remember. And if at all possible, join us for the premium training at theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars and then premium training. You can enroll for just a few bucks for a single class or a longer term, 13-week term or a full year. Theagelesswisdom.com. The W's dot the agelesswisdom.com Gotta run. Thanks for being here. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii.